Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan, bringing you intriguing details about the lives of people here in Yorkshire. So, come on in and join us. Hello, Susan here, Inside Yorkshire. Now, today we're finding out all about the dark skies above us. And I'm talking to Mike Evershed, who is the organiser of Wreath Informal Astronomy Group. Hello there, Mike. Hi, Susan. How long have you been running the group? Since 2013. Right. So um, six years then, roughly, is it? That's right. Yes. 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 And you're, you're based in Wreath, obviously, hence the name. And you have um, members. How many members do you have of the group? Well, we have about 40 people on our contact list. And we have anything between 10 and 15 people turning up to our regular get-togethers. When we put on special events, we, we get many more people. I think the biggest number was we had something like 250 come and look through our teres- telescopes during the Swelldale Festival a couple of years ago. Are you having events then through the festival this year too? No, the problem is that the festival takes place at the end of May and beginning of June, when of course it's daylight up until very late at night, um, and the sky never gets fully dark. No. We were lucky when we did it before, because it just so happened that we had several bright planets in the sky, and we could do something useful between about 9 and 10. So what... um... What inspired you then? Have you been doing this for a long time or is it just a recent hobby? No, I've I've been interested in astronomy for many years and I've owned a telescope since the 1980s. Um, uh, but I've never run a group before. and that, that happened almost by accident. Well, I noticed that it said that you'd had um, a Skillshare meeting. What was that? Well, I, I'm told, this is hearsay, not my personal knowledge, that um, when the council withdrew adult education from Reith and the Dale, that um, a number of local people got together to organise um, sort of informal education and training to bring in people who uh, had a particular skill or a particular area of knowledge to teach others. I understand one of the most successful was the ukulele group. Really? (laughs) (laughs) It brought someone in to teach people how to play the ukulele, and I I think a small ukulele band has formed since then. Anyway, long and the short was somebody said they'd like something on astronomy, and one of the organisers discovered I was interested and said, would I do a talk at Hudson House, which is the the kind of local community uh, centre? And uh, so I did, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, have you thought of forming a group? And so it started. Right, just from that. Now, there are are there three main main um, people involved in this? I know you gave me two two names. Are they are they members who have particular um, areas of expertise, or are they part of the the group running it? Well, there's a bit of a backstory to this because when we uh, advertised that we were thinking of setting up a group and got the first few people together. What became clear was that none of us wanted to have a club with committees and membership fees and treasurers and annual meetings and all of the paraphernalia which uh, is involved within a a formal club. So we decided to keep it as informal as possible. So really, we're just a group of friends who enjoy astronomy 
and get together to do astronomy-related things um, every month and occasionally for special things as well. Right, hence the name Wreath Informal Astronomy Group. That then explains the name, I guess. That's it. And if if we need money for anything, we we, we just raise it from donations. Um, um, and but we don't really spend any money. I mean, um, uh, we've helped other people with events to raise money, um, but uh, it's not about money. It's just about friendship and enjoying the night sky. And then the equipment is your own personal equipment that you've bought then, I guess, is it? It is, but all of the members who have telescopes, without exception, are very willing to let other people look through them, Mm. uh, occasionally even to let them operate them. (laughs) It can vary tremendously cost-wise, can't it, from a small hobby um, telescope for, what, about £50, £60, up to, I, I don't know, well, the sky's the limit, so you could say. Well, you can spend anything up to the price of a small car, really. Um, but um, we, we always try and make sure that that most of the things we do are open to people who don't have telescopes. Um, we do things which just involve using your naked eyes um, or things which can just be enjoyed with binoculars. Um, and... But those members who do have telescopes along to events, let other people look through them. So you don't have to have a telescope to belong to the group. No. Now, the group itself is um, Northern Dales. So it's Swaledale, Arkengarthdale, Wensleydale as well, is it? It is, but we we don't stop other people coming. And mm. we've got, uh, I use the word members, if you, informal members, mm. coming from as far as Settle on one side and down near Thirsk on the other. So... Um, we have quite a wide catchment area, although the the majority of members are between Reith and Richmond. And I guess the actual meetups are up here, are they? In they this are. area, mm. the the regular uh, monthly meeting at the moment takes place in our unit here in the Reith Dale Centre because it's free because I own mm. it. <laughs> um, but if we do a special event, then we make an arrangement with other premises. We've We've been welcomed by the Reith Evangelical Church a couple of times because they have a lovely secluded, well, relatively secluded garden Mm. and a nice um, room and kitchen which we can use. Yes. Now, I noticed that you'd been involved with um, the Yorkshire Dales National Park um, measuring light light levels earlier on this year, hadn't you? Yes. um, the, The National Park are trying to get dark skies status for the National Park, a official recognised status, um, partly to attract in people off-season because we have plenty of visitors in the summer. But in the winter, when the skies are dark, it would be nice to have people coming and enjoying the dark skies. Um, But to get the official status, they need to have a map of how dark the skies are around the Dale. And we were one of the groups who have been helping um, do those measurements. Right. So... Dark sky status, reserve status, then what does that involve? Well, first of all, it involves the National Park uh, proving that uh, the National Park is dark enough to uh, obtain the status they, mm. they want. There are different levels of status, um, and what you get really depends on how dark you are. Um, but once they've got that, then it will feed into their planning policies 
And they'll, what they'll probably have, I'm not speaking for them, this is just mm. my understanding yeah, yes. as an out, outsider, is that uh, they'll have a core area where they will be fairly restrictive about the lighting, the external lighting that mm. can be erected, it, with the aim of keeping that core area in the park very dark. Um, and then there'll be a peripheral area, probably out to the edges of the park, where they are somewhat restrictive on lighting, because obviously light on the outskirts will bleed into the centre. Yes. So. so are there any plans for a, an observatory or anything? Do you know? Uh, we in the group have pipe dreams, <laughs> um, and you'll sometimes see us looking at various field barns, many of which are surplus to requirements, mm. and um, thinking about whether we could convert one. But access is always a problem with these things. They're often up a steep slope in a field with no track, mm. Um, and some of them are right up against the hillside, so there's there's no view in particular directions. No, um, no, makes it more difficult, doesn't it? So, um, from the, the point of view of, of observing, then over the last six years up here, anything in particular that you found spectacular? What would you say was the the best thing? Um, we've we really enjoyed the recent eclipse of the, the moon mm. and we've had some great nights with the meteor shower. Mm. Um, cold cold outings in December for the meteor shower in December, slightly warmer outings in August. Um, and that that's so easy for anybody. You can just take a deck chair out into somewhere, as long as you haven't got any light shining on your eyes. Um, take a deck chair out, wrap up really warm, much warmer than you think you're going to need to wrap mm. up. Blankets, sun loungers, uh, don't worry about your neighbours thinking you're mad, um, <laughs> and just stare up at the sky. I did I did that one year with a, f- a friend. Uh, a friend and I um, slept out on top of Carver, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Took a flask and sleeping bags. The hardest thing was not sliding back down the hill again, <laughs> getting wedged in somewhere. But um, yes, it's uh, it's a good thing to do. And certainly um interesting there's so much to see it can be very bright can't it it can it can i mean ideally you want to do it on a night when there's a meteor shower and you can look those up online mm. uh, and preferably where there's a meteor shower and no full moon because mm. if, if it's a full moon it, it will wash out everything that's faint in the sky mm. we have actually had um we've had we've we've been able to see the northern lights here Oh yes, in Arkengarthdale, I, I can remember seeing that myself. Not aware that it was going to be so far south, really. Yes, um, and we, we've got group members who enjoy photographing the Northern Lights. Um, they usually go up to places like Tan Hill to do it, mm. because you need a good northern horizon. And if you're down in a valley with hills up to your north, it's much harder, because at this latitude they're normally fairly low down in the sky. Um, Although, uh, very occasionally, the, the auroras do move a long way south. Mm. Um, hasn't happened um, while I've been up in the Dales, but if it did, then you'd be able to see them from almost anywhere. Yes, yes, and it's something that people can pay a small fortune to go overseas to view, and then we can have it on the doorstep sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. But um, one of the problems is they're very difficult to predict. Mm. Um uh, it's, it's caused by charged particles coming from the sun and falling into the Earth's poles and then sort of exciting the atmosphere high above the poles or high above a circle around the poles, I should say. Mm. Um, and um, 
you can find websites which will tell you when they're likely to occur, but there are no guarantees. No guarantees, no matter where you go. I know people who have uh, gone away for a week somewhere <laughs> and almost been guaranteed, and it isn't. You can't guarantee it, can you? No, you can't. No, That's not right. at all. Now then, um, just what um, what are the other plans for the group? Do you have anything in particular planned for this year? Well, we will probably ar- arrange some kind of event uh, later in the year. We we generally do two two things a year um, for the wider public. Um, we've just finished one lot of things. We've been involved in in the Dark Skies Festival, which the mm. Na- National Park organises in February half term. And we usually try and do something in the late summer as well. Early summer isn't a good time because the sky is so light, but um, I'm working on that at the moment. Because we're an informal group, we're pretty nimble. We can put something on within a couple of months without too much planning. If there's something that you know is going to happen, you can organise around it, I guess. But you can't turn the lights off, can you? (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, a bit of a problem. No, the the group itself meets every month, doesn't it? Yeah, we meet on the second Monday of the month. um, And we have a mixture of indoor and outdoor events. Mm. um, And we have to really, because the chance of a particular night being having clear skies is... About one in three, really. Um, How can you continue over the summer then? Because it is light. You would would they all be indoor events? Well, as far as the regular meetings are concerned, it it becomes more difficult to do observing outside. But there are some things you can do on on bright evenings. Mm. The planets, the bright planets, um, Saturn, Jupiter, Venus, um, Mars, if it's if it's nearby are actually bright enough to observe in twilight. Mm. So we can do that. Uh, there are some things in the sky which also happen around twilight, which are quite interesting. I'd certainly recommend anybody listening, if they enjoy sunsets and they're somewhere with a good eastern horizon, when there's a sunset on, turn around and look at the eastern horizon and you may see a pink semicircle in the sky called the Belt of Venus. Oh. The anti-twilight arch. There's there's lots of things in the sky to see. doesn't have to be dark, but it is harder when it's light. Mm. I'd not heard of that. The Belt of Venus. Yes, or the anti-twilight arch is its proper title. Right. But it's a pink semicircle. As the shadow of the Earth rises up, the sunlight's skimming the atmosphere. All the blue light is stripped out and the red light illuminates a semicircle uh, to the east, on the opposite side to the sunset. Right, so you've got to have a clear horizon to see it? A clearish horizon to Mm. the east. To the east. It helps if there's a little bit of low cloud to the east, but you can't always guarantee it. No, no. Oh, well, that's fascinating. That's set me a task, certainly. (laughs) So you also, I know you've got some pretty good photographers as well. It's it's not just observing. People are taking photographs, aren't they? Yes, and and what a lot of people don't realise is that with modern um, cameras, um, and even quite small telescopes, you can take pictures of things in the night sky, which only professional astronomers would have been able to take 30 year, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and we've got a couple of members who are taking some really high quality mm. um, images of t- particular objects or um, general views of the night sky, perhaps including video of the night sky. When you say of objects, then, can you be a bit more specific? 
Well, I was out the other night with a friend in the group and uh, uh, we took a picture of something called, boringly, M3, which is not a motorway. Mm. But it's one of a list of objects compiled by a Frenchman called Messier uh, two centuries ago. Uh, he was looking for comets and anything faint and fuzzy, which turned out not to be a comet, he got cross and would write down lists so he didn't get confused by it mm. again. And his no object number three is a ball of stars, a ball of thousands and thousands of stars, all packed together. And um, you can, on a very dark night, you can just see a faint smudge where it is in the sky with your eye, if it's really dark. But with a telescope and a camera, you can take beautiful pictures of this ball of thousands of stars. Fascinating. So there's a lot more. I mean, I know when it is very clear here, it's just amazing when you look up. I mean, it, you really can't. Sometimes I find it hard. I, I know some constellations, not a huge number, but I know some. But sometimes when the sky is so clear, there are so many tiny, small stars in amongst all the all of the larger ones, that it's 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 phenomenal, really. Oh, that's absolutely right. And if someone is learning the night sky mm. for the first time, I, I would almost recommend they go out um, when, say, there's a quarter moon or the sky isn't absolutely dark, maybe late twilight, mm. because then you can pick out the main stars and the shapes of the constellations. When it's really dark, as you say, there's just so much. There's it, so much. It's it's um, yes, it is. It's it's amazing. And the other thing that has always fascinated me is the fact that because of the speed of light, what we're seeing really is history, isn't it? The time oh, it takes for the light to reach us. Absolutely. I mean that that ball of stars we were photographing just a couple of weeks ago um, is about thirty thousand light years away. So we were seeing it as it was. The 30, well, it, caveman times. Mm. So I guess, really, you could look up there. They may not exist. Some of these stars may not exist now. Well, absolutely. On our time frame. Yeah, there's one very prominent star called Betelgeuse mm. um, in the constellation Orion, which some listeners will, will know, which hasn't got that much longer to live. It's a giant red star coming to the end of its life it, it's pulsating it's obviously reddish orange if you look at it in the sky and sometime in the next few thousand years astronomers think it will explode right or has it already well it might have yes <laughs> <laughs> because we're seeing it as it was i can't and how remember, far away is it i'm not sure I, I can't remember off the top of my head but it, it it's it's not an immense distance no um, um we'd be talking uh, a, a number of years rather than thousands rather than of, thousands of years, years yes yes no it's it's um mind-boggling really isn't it yes. <laughs> so your your meetings are every 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 month every which day of the month the second monday of the month the second monday of the month and that is round on the um it, we're, we're at unit 14 in the Reithdale center Reithdale center okay yes um, we've also got a website so if, if people want to get in touch and check what what's going on at the meeting or confirm when and where the meeting is, they just need to um, look for www.reithastro.org.uk. Okay. And would they then contact you? 
Yes, my, my telephone number's on. on Your there. telephone number's on, on the website yes. and email, presumably, is yes, it? Yes, that's absolutely right. Yes, so and that's the best thing to do. And if anyone wanted advice, someone, um, I know you do take complete beginners up to people with more experience. It can be just, is, is there an age limit? The, there isn't, but we ask anyone who has a child who's interested to come with the child. Yes. There must be a responsible adult with mm. a child. And we're not geared up as a group no. with all the criminal bureau checks yes, and everything. Sure. So there must be a responsible adult. Yes, take responsibility for them yourself. And I guess probably the adults, if the child is interested, the adult probably is too. Yes. Yes. No, that's good. So they'd get in touch with you and... Um, and come along and see if they were if someone wanted advice about buying a telescope or equipment can you as a group help with that we we can we we help in all sorts of ways um we help people dispose of unwanted equipment because mm. quite a few people have telescopes languishing in the back cupboard that they have never used and probably never will use we have people who've bought a telescope and get stuck mm. um because they're a little bit more difficult to use than people think. Um, it's not impossible. Mm. Um, and with a bit, little bit of help, you can get going quite quickly. But it's like any anything new that requires a little bit of skill. It can be hard to start. So we help beginners with their telescopes. Um, and then people who've moved on a little bit and, and want advice on what to get next or mm. how to do photography. Uh, we had a workshop on photography um, at one of our members' homes uh, just a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, do get in touch if you need help. Yes. And is it, I mean, is it dangerous then if someone has a telescope and points it at something they shouldn't? Obviously, you can't look at the sun. Well, that that's the that's the biggie. They're, they're, the, the two main hazards, the biggest one of all, is accidentally looking at the sun through a telescope. Mm. So we would certainly recommend that beginners do not use a telescope during daylight mm. while the sun is still up especially children um, um, the second hazard is simply that if you're moving around after dark and you've switched all the lights off um, it's quite helpful to have a little red light torch because red light won't affect the night adaptation of your eyes and it'll help you stop falling over things <laughs> yes <laughs> i hadn't considered that side of it but yes very important anyway thank you very much mike that's been really interesting and if anyone's um anyone wants to get involved then they need to get in touch with you yeah, we'd love to hear from them thank you susan <laughs> thank you this is susan signing out from inside yorkshire 